2 Samuel chapter 10, this morning, verse 1. And it came to pass after this, the king of the children of Ammon died, and Hanan and his son reigned in his stead. Then said David, I will show kindness unto Hanan, the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness to me. And David sent to comfort him by the hand of the servants for his father. And David's servants came into the land of the children of Ammon, and the princes of the children of Ammon Send to Hanan their Lord, thinkest thou that David doth honor thy father, that he has sent comforters unto thee? Hath not David rather sent his servants unto thee to search the city and to spite out and to overthrow it? Wherefore Hanan took David's servants and shaved off the one half of their beards and cut off their garments in the middle, even to their buttocks, and sent them away. Every Sunday morning leading into VBS, I like to preach something in preparation for the week, and God has laid this on my heart. I know in the past, going through the life of David, we have gone over this text to some degree. I want to approach it from a different angle this morning and preach on the subject, when life makes you cynical. David here has taken the throne. His, his kingdom at this point is the largest in Israel's history. David now is doing everything possible to show kindness. The previous chapter we saw that in in Saul's household for Jonathan's sake, he showed kindness to Mephibosheth. And now he had a friend when he was running from Saul. He had to journey over to this part of the world, not by choice, but out of fear And the king had shown him, Nahash had shown him great kindness. And he said, I want to reciprocate that. So at his death, he's thinking, here's a young man that has taken the throne. He could use some gifts. He could use some comfort. He gathers a team together. He sends him over. But uh, Hanan reacts in a very strange way. He listened to the princes and they said, there's no way this is a true heart of kindness. And here's what I want you to consider this morning. This, what was done, was a mission of mercy that was mistaken. And this week, everything we're doing is a mission of mercy. We are hoping to get these people, the gospel, to such a degree, the Holy Spirit obviously is going to do his job. We want to do our job. We cannot determine if they turn to Christ or not, but here's what we're called to do. Luke six thirty five says this: Love your enemies, do good, lend, hoping for nothing again. Your reward shall be great. Ye shall be the children of the highest. And listen to this phrase: For he, speaking of our loving Savior, our God in heaven, he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Yes. Go with me to Ephesians two. Keep your finger here in Second Samuel chapter ten. A text we're all familiar with, but it would do us good to be reminded of it. The Bible says, And you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses in sins. Ephesians 2 verse 2. Wherein in time past you walked according to the courts of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit, that same spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. And the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That was our life without Christ. Thank God for the next two words. 
but God, who's rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, hath quickened us together and raised us up together. Now, church, here's what I want to remind you of. We are supposed to follow Christ's example in this mission of mercy. He's constantly showing kindness, and we want to do that this week. Chapter 9, which we'll not read of 2 Samuel chapter 10. When speaking of Mephibosheth, it speaks of a man that was lame. And here's what David said. I'm going to bring that man, household of Saul, a man that pursued me for 13 years, did me great harm, tried to take my life. (coughs) I'm going to bring this man into my kingdom and take care of him for the rest of his life. Aren't you thankful for the kindness of God? Now, just for a minute... A little spiritual exercise. Why don't you think about God's kindness in getting you the gospel? There's 8 billion people out there. And and we know to some degree God will shine light on them in their respective places and households. But you were shown additional light. The very fact that you were born in the United States of America and many of you were born into Christian homes, you were born in a nation under the influence of the gospel, whether that was Christian radio or a track on your door or a friend that invited you or a family member that introduced you to the Lord Jesus Christ. He had enough mercy to say, not only do you have a Bible, not, not only do you have influence in your city or state, but God said, I want to make sure that you personally, individually get to hear a clear presentation of the gospel. Anybody in here want to raise their hand and say, I deserve that? I, I deserve that more than anyone else in the world. The love of God and the fact that we were so unlovable. Anybody here want to stand up and talk about all the goodness in your life before Christ? All all the good things you thought, all the good things you said, and all the good things you did uh, that where God just said, I'm going to reciprocate reciprocate goodness on this goodness. No, it was a God in heaven knowing who we are, knowing who we were, knowing what kind of lousy Christians we would become. And he said, I'm still going to shower them with kindness and provide them the gospel. And here's what David did. Not that not that Hanan himself deserved anything, but David said, uh, I want to show, and here's what kindness is about. It's us taking a step, not because someone deserves it, but because we have received kindness from the Father, so we will reciprocate kindness to those around us, even if they be unthankful or, or evil. Now, here's the problem. Not everyone responds well to kindness. And as we go into teen connection, I want to talk about our teen services. This auditorium will be filled with teenagers over the next five days. When we understand Hanan, here's what had happened. He was hurting. His father had died. He had voices that were telling him to be suspicious. And when we're reaching out to these young people, I promise you this, every single one that comes through those doors from an unsaved home is hurting. Every face, every person, every child, they all have different circumstances. Many don't have a mother and father in their home. There's some that have never even met their real father. Some have been abused physically or sexually, emotionally. 
most, the, the homes that they're coming from, the places that they live, the stuff that they have endured. Here's what we want to do. From the minute we see them to the minute we drop them off, we want to yeah. overwhelm yeah. them with kindness. Yeah. Yeah. We want our tone to be kind, our reactions to be kind. And I'm not talking because their behavior is perfect or deserving of kindness, but because we have a God-given opportunity to do what God does and show kindness in the midst of imperfection. I want to make sure in every word that is said and every lesson that is given and every message that is preached. And here's what VBS is. This is a great display of kindness. When you look at the decorations around you and all the hard work that's already been put into this, the lessons that have been prepared and the messages and the songs and the visuals and all the technology, everything that's been done, you know what that is? That is people investing their time, their money as an act of kindness. Now, it's not that those teenagers are going to walk in and say that or even see that or understand that. It doesn't matter. We don't need them to say, this is about honoring God and glorifying God and pleasing our Heavenly Father. But in the midst of that, being able in our lifetimes to, to reach out in acts of kindness to others. And for some, this may be their only week. Now, this world is confused about kindness. They, they think if a school will help me transition in my gender and never tell my parents and provide money for a surgery, that's an act of kindness. They'll realize later in life that's a horrible act of hatred, mutilating them in their youth. You say, Pastor, you, you shouldn't talk about this on a Sunday morning. In our day and age, it's required to speak about Never in any previous generation was it ever required, but this generation requires it. And here's what we have to do. We have to say, we need to shower them with love. And when we preach the gospel, it's not that everyone understands that's an act of kindness. But when you try to point someone to heaven and you point them to the love and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you tell them about a crucified Savior and the fact that that's by grace, through faith, without works, that's an act of kindness. From the moment you pick them up, uh, the songs in the introduction to the gospel, appointing them to the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it's not just the financial sacrifice or the spiritual sacrifice, but the opportunity to take time out of your week. And there, there are men here that take an entire week off. There are people that, that uh, forfeit a week's salary to make sure they're here participating. That's an act of kindness. Yeah. But don't think for a minute, because you're showing an act of kindness, everyone's going to appreciate that kindness. There's a lot of that that'll be misunderstood or mistaken. And we have a great opportunity this week to show kindness to the hurting. I remember years ago in Oklahoma City, I was uh, captain on a bus route. And I was trying to reach every single parent of every child that we were picking up. And I talked to a young lady, I don't know, 11 or 12 years old. And I asked her about, I said, I've never, never met your father. I'd like to meet him, invite him out to church. I said, maybe if I come back next Saturday. She said, that won't be possible. I said, what about if I come back during the week, next Tuesday or Thursday? She said, oh, that wouldn't work either. I said, what about Friday? She said, that won't work. I said, does he work 24-7? Is he out of town? 
She said, he's out of town. Does he ever come home? No. I said, maybe Christmas. She said, Pastor, my dad raped me. He's in jail. Now, that was the first time in my life that I was overwhelmed. I was grateful, but overwhelmed with gratefulness for the parents that God had given me. And here's what we're doing this week. When you hear their stories, even if you don't know their stories, it doesn't matter because you're looking at the face of young people and they've become cynical because of life circumstances. And after you've been hurt for a while, there's no reason to trust anyone's kindness. Here's what a cynic does. It, it looks at acts of kindness and it is if they could judge true motives. And most of the time they say, anyone that was ever kind to me was coming with an angle, ended up hurting me. So there's no way I want to trust your kindness. And what you want to do, because we've all had moments when we've allowed ourselves to become cynical. Some point in your life, you get hurt, you get deceived. There's distrust in your mind. There's deception. There's uh, disillusionment, disappointment. We've allowed ourselves to get there. And here's what happens. When, when you get hurt, you no longer take things at face value. And church, this is just a simple reminder of a couple things. First of all, to understand young uh, teenagers as they walk in the door, that you shouldn't expect them to embrace kindness. And they may go three, four, five days. And if you only have five days to show them kindness, they may leave here and never, ever get past the cynicism of the hurt that they have developed. And that cynical spirit is a shield to protect them from being hurt by anyone else. That cynical spirit, here's what he does. David, with pure motives, sincere heart, is, is making a great sacrifice to send this team with gifts and going to help comfort. And he says, there is no way these people can mean well. And, and no way these people desire to help me. And guess what's going to happen over the next four five days? There'll be young teenagers coming in through our doors that have been hurt so much so often that, that they're, we in four or five days will not break through to them. Sure. That doesn't change our duty. But when you look at a reaction that is wrong and you're saying, I'm trying to show kindness, and maybe it's to a 10-year-old or to a 15-year-old or an 18-year-old, all I want you to do this morning is understand a biblical example of King David reaching out and his hand being slapped because of a cynical spirit. And I want you to understand, church, this happens in Christianity. There is nothing uglier than a cynical spirit. This nation, our politics, the deception that is, is making even Christians cynical and live cynically. Look what it says in verse 6. And when the children of Amnon saw that they what? They stink. That cynical spirit made them stink in the eyes of David. And guess what? When you get that way, good night. I feel sorry for your children. I feel sorry for your friends. How many of you have ever come to the point you started getting cynical and you caught yourself and said, I, this is ugly. This isn't pleasant to be around. 
And it doesn't matter whatever is taking place. And maybe it was a boss, and maybe it was a job, maybe it was a neighbor, maybe it was a family member, maybe it was a friend. Whoever it is that hurt you, whoever it is that broke your trust, whoever it is that made you cynical, you need to heal quickly because that's an ugly personality trait that's only going to hurt you. You start to question people's motives. You become negative and doubtful. And guess what? You always find something to confirm your suspicions. You're, you become the fourth part of the Trinity. Uh, only God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit know a man's heart. You're, you just know the superficial. But suddenly you're qualified to know. He didn't mean that. He's a fraud. No. He's, and we act as if we can discern someone's face. That's the face God gave them. That's all they have. They, they by nature, and you think, well, he looked at me like that. He looks at everyone like that. He can't, unless he has plastic surgery, little Botox, I don't know. He can't fix it. But suddenly we think because we saw the face and we, we consider ourselves experts in discernment, and he didn't really mean that. And that wasn't a real compliment. And he doesn't really love me. And he's coming with an angle. We become doubtful and distrustful. And you know what that is? That's an unhealed heart and the wrong kind of voices. Because the princes, and a lot of times, you know what will mess up a, a, a man's thinking? The prince is in his home. Mm-hmm. This prince and that prince and that prince. Well, Dad, that teacher doesn't really love me. Well, that's why they come here for free, volunteer their time. Because they hate your guts. Twisting the mind. Twisting the heart. And here comes David with all the right kind of motives. But he, he has in his palace, he's already a little distrustful. He's already hurting. And hurt leads us to become cynical. But suddenly these voices... That, that are convinced they're the fourth part of the Trinity, come and say his motives absolutely are wrong. Church, you know what you ought to do? Just do yourself some good and take things at face value, no matter what the face is or the value of the face that you just saw. Amen. Just so you know what? If he said something nice, if he did something nice, I'm going to take it as nice. Why not say what's really behind that guy? Now here's what's going to happen. You're going to get to see this week how ugly a cynical spirit is because you know that everyone in here that's doing all the prep and the cooking and the lessons and the buses and the routes and spending money out of their pocket and everyone that's making a sacrifice, you know, you'll see kids in every pew. They'll stand off, stand back, doubt what's said. Their, their ears have already been filled with uh, the, this world in their attack on God. They're already doubting God. They're already doubting Christians. They're already doubting Christianity. They're already biased against anything in God's word. And you know what you have to say? God has commanded me to be kind. And it doesn't matter if that kindness is accepted or not because not everyone is going to understand their when they reject that kindness, you're dealing with the cynical spirit that comes from a heart that has experienced extreme hurt. And they're taking their life experience, bringing it into a church setting and saying, there no, there's no way their motives can be right. 
Church, I need you to understand that does not change a thing that we're doing. That doesn't change anything. Uh, that cynical person will always come in questioning and doubting. That cynical spirit actually creates a numbness in life because they say, I just don't want to be hurt again. And for me to participate in this kindness is providing a door to be hurt again. And here's what you want to do. You look, look what happens here in verse 4. Because this king believed the lies of the youth and, and uh, was living it in hurt. Look at his actions. Bizarre. They're bizarre. Wherefore, Hanan took David's servants, shaved off one and a half of their beards. Now, and here's where all the Jewish men had beards. Amen? Amen. No, I'm not a Jew, but I'm a follower of God. And, and I hate shaving every day. So, but... What the Jews would do, they were actually commanded, those men were commanded not to even trim their beard. So that was part of their manhood. I mean, they walked around like Ben Sullivan. It just long beards. And this man was so bizarre that he shaved half of their beards off, cut their robes off all the way up to their backside and sent them home in shame. Now, here's, here's what's going to happen. There, there's a great spiritual application, church, I, I don't want you to miss. When, when we bring in these teenagers, all they've ever known is hurt and rebellion and sexual impurity and abuse and all these things. Suddenly, they're in an environment where they're being showered with love. And a cynical spirit says, because I don't believe that comes with a pure motive, I'm just going to do something to embarrass and shame those that are trying to show me love. And they'll do something bizarre. They'll do something crazy. We've seen it every year for the past 14 years. And here's what you need to do. They'll try to shave half your beard. Some of them literally will. They'll do something stupid, say something stupid. They're, they're trying to do this. They're trying to find a button to push, to prove you're not as sincere or godly or Christ-like as you say you are. And guess what? If they find that button, they may have proof. If they can get you to react improperly or become angry or upset or frustrated, you know what they're saying? That's it. Those Christians are not who they say they are. The cynical spirit stinks, and what you have to be careful of is say, God, I want to be so spirit-filled that no matter what any young person does, there's no carnal button that can be pushed. I am here to love. I am here to show kindness. I will not react improperly no matter what is said or what is done. Okay, can we agree with that, church? Can we say we're here to simply show love and kindness and this is a no carnal zone. At no time will I have a bad spirit. In no time will I react improperly. In no time will I allow sarcasm or anything carnal come out of my mouth. This week is a week where God is going. Now, this ought to be every week, but this week especially, everything I say and everything I do falls within the parameters of Holy Spirit-filled living. And I'm not going to allow the cynical mind an excuse to say, look, their motives are wrong. Look, they're not as Christ-like as they said they would be. You know what the knee-jerk reaction is? We're going to go to war. Now, this, there are 
things to stand up and fight for. Look, look what it says in verse 12. Be of good courage. Let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God. Now look at the last phrase. The Lord do that which seemeth good. Church, here's what we're doing this week. If we fight for anything, this is about fighting for the honor and the glory of God. So any teenager that comes in with a cynical mind and hurt from his past, you can see it on their faces. Here's what, here's what some try to do. They try to pretend that they're here, but they're not really here. Everybody else is having fun. And then they catch themselves paying attention. And then they catch themselves considering participating, but they've got a friend next to them and it's not cool, so they pull back. And then the next thing you know, they start enjoying it, but they're not supposed to be enjoying this. And next night they come back, another friend, but still the peer pressure, this is not cool. I mean, we're singing songs and doing the chicken dance and that Kyle guy is a crazy nut. We're actually smiling, having fun. And there's no way that God's house and the word of God can be fun. So we got to. Now, here's what we're doing. Our fight is to get them the gospel, to point them to Jesus, to preach the truth, to love them, to show kindness. There's no other battle. So it doesn't matter if you hear a curse word. It doesn't matter if someone does something hurtful to you. It, it doesn't matter. And none of that matters. None of that matters. We're dealing with cynical youth, understandably so, because not only are they bringing a lot of hurt here, they're bringing also all the voices that surround them that are saying Christianity is fake, Christians are fake, that kindness is fake, their love is fake, their Bible is fake, their God is fake. And you know what you do? You have to say, I want to introduce them to something that is real. God is real. This book is real. The Holy Spirit is real. And the only thing that will truly poke through that barrier of of self-protection is the love of God. The love of God that continues day after day despite their cynical spirit. And church, here's what I'm asking you to do this morning. Simple, simple challenge is to say, I'm not going to let anything deviate my kindness. No look, no reaction, no skepticism. None of that is going to change. Even if it's not just from a kid out there, even if it's from someone in here. And Christian, you should not be that cynical spirit. There's no way you can love VBS that much. That's not a real smile. If you're the cynic this week, guess what we're doing to you? Putting gates up and taking away your access code. We don't need your cynical spirit. We're here to love God, love these kids, get them the gospel. Because there'll be dozens of Hanans that walk in this door. You know why? They're hurting. That face has come from a lot of bad experiences. And this is our God-provided opportunity to point them to Jesus. I'm going to ask you this morning the invitation.
Can we get some people that are sincere, dedicate themselves to prayer this week, come down here to this altar and say, God, I want you to take any of that out of my heart so I can, with, an, with a heart of kindness, deal with any situation. doesn't matter what the situation is. I want to deal with any situation with your love, your kindness. Be a true reflection of Jesus Christ 24-7 so these kids, no matter how skeptical, can understand what we have is real. Say, God, this one isn't going to be my prayer today. It's going to be my prayer all week long. 